SMC Fireside Chats, a weekly show featuring conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and outdoor hospitality experts who share their insights to help your business succeed. Hosted by Brian Searle, the founder and CEO of Insider Perks, empowered by insights from Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks. Super excited to be here with you for a, well, the first episode of 2024. I was going to say another, but the first episode of 2024 for our glamping-focused show. Normally, we have a bunch of recurring guests here, but I guess everybody just decided to take more time off for the holidays. I don't know how I get a cushy job like that, where <laughs> they can take off till January 10th, but I'm going to try to figure out how I secure that. But in the meantime, we've got two special guests here. Amanda from Glampology, and if I get it right, Missy from Daydreamer Domes. Who, Missy, are you frozen? I think Missy's for this. I think so. Okay, Missy, hopefully, will be back and join us in a few minutes. But we've got Amanda here from Apologies. Amanda, how long? Let's just briefly introduce yourself and, and sure, talk. we'll figure out how we're going to fill an hour here. I don't know how we're going to do that. <laughs> uh, I'm Amanda, I just started Glampology last year. Pretty much, my inspiration was when I went glamping under canvas out in Yellowstone two years ago. And, you know, being in Boston where weather doesn't cooperate, it's it was a little difficult to envision a big campground here. But okay. after looking for land and stuff, I got a little bit stuck and ended up going with the mobile glamping route. So that's what I currently do here in Boston. And since it's a break with the winter weather, I started doing indoors glamping parties for kids. Okay. So what I'm doing right now. So when you say a couple of directions, right? We obviously have an hour to fill. We're going to talk to you later. <laughs> so when you say indoor glamping, what does that mean? So I have these little indoor teepee tents, which I call little glamping tents. And I bring mattresses and blankets and linens and a little decor so that kids can enjoy essentially glamping inside. Yeah. It's been a huge hit with the little ones. Grateful for that. Very nice. Oh, so you got started in Boston. You were you wanted to originally do talk to us through your original dreams that you wanted to do. Not saying that this isn't what your dreams are now, but back then, right? Yeah. So when I went glamping in Yellowstone, I came home and I was like, wow, this is something that I would love to bring here to New Hampshire or somewhere in the outskirts of Boston. But land was really hard to find. And it's just me. So I was doing it on my own. And it was just, it was really difficult. So I changed my route and went the mobile route. Initially, my biggest dream would be doing weddings and stuff and having some land where I can set up some glamping tents and people can rent that out for that. But right now I'm focusing on just mobile and it's been working so far. So we'll see. Well, that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with pivoting, right? I pivot probably seven times a day and do (laughs) U-turns. drive the wrong way down a street that I'm supposed to drive the other way on, right? Metaphorically speaking, right? So yeah, that's interesting. Like I've heard obviously of the mobile glamping. Missy was talking to you a little bit about it before. She's familiar before the show started with mobile glamping. And so I just never heard the indoor thing, but that seems, it seems like a really good way to get 
the younger generation interested in glamping without necessarily being called outside too, right? Right, right. And like I said, weather doesn't always cooperate out here. So that's always a backup plan. If someone also rented a outdoor tent during the summer months, we can always bring it inside. Yeah, it was a huge directional change, but it's worked out in so far. The weather isn't properly where I'm at either. It is, I'm in Calgary, Canada. It is negative 20 degrees Celsius here today, which in United States language is negative four degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) Yeah, it's not warm here. Otherwise I would be outside. I was talking to my business development representative on Slack this morning. She's like, you're not going to do the show from outside today. I was like, well, is that a challenge? Give me five bucks. Like I've been skiing and learned how to do that when it was negative 25. So I've got the gear, but anyway, she wouldn't give me 500 bucks. She just laughed. Here I am with my this is the only reason people watch the show (laughs) anyway so missy welcome back yes thank you sorry i my child came in and turned off my monitor for me yeah thanks thanks for having me yeah you're welcome tell us a little bit about uh, what you have going on my project's called daydreamer domes we have been at it over there for about three years i bought an old golf course and rescued it and had not been a golf course and probably eight or nine years, built 20 geodesic domes. They're gold. We've got a pink pool that's surrounded by 20,000 square feet of AstroTurf. We've got modified containers and we rehab the old clubhouse. So inside the clubhouse, we're going to be running a tea house and we've got a couple of sensory deprivation tanks, a speakeasy and a little store. We're just small team and just, you know, we're, we're moving every day. So we should be open this summer. I feel like you said, like I run a glamping resort and this, and this, and this, and this. Yeah, and this, I overdid and this, it. Right? And, but we're just a small team. We're just doing this. But like, right. I feel like your yeah, ambitions no, honestly, are a little more right than a small now, team. What's that? And so I think your ambitions are a little bit bigger than a small team. You're maybe selling yourself short. I, well, I need a bigger team is probably what I need, but you know, we, I'm trying to be very thoughtful about everything that I do and I want it to look a certain way. It's a high level of design and we've really taken care with everything that we've done. So while we are a team of three right now, I also have an army of subcontractors that do a lot of work for me as well. So how did this get all started? How did you envision taking, you said taking over a golf course, right? Yeah. So I have been glamping. Interesting opportunity because like I've read for years about how golfing generally from a sport perspective is on the decline. So I bet you there are a lot of these opportunities out there with this beautiful land. Yeah. So my property is a golf course since the twenties and it was um, designed by really a, a world renowned golf course, arch- like a architect yeah. at the time. Um, and it just fell into a state of disrepair. So there was no really infrastructure, no electrical or anything like that. But what I did have is, you know, I inherited landscaping that was gorgeous. I inherited a massive sprinkler system. We're still mowing 65 acres right now. And the other like 90 acres have just kind of We've just let it grow and the people before us let it grow. So it's a really interesting juxtaposition between well-maintained and Mad Max back there. When you decided to start here, first off to look at the land, what was in your, what was in your mind? Like I was going to say, I've been glamping since before it was even really a thing. So I stayed in my first tent when I was in India and probably, I think it was like 2002 and it had a toilet in it. And ever since then, I've always sought out unusual and unique places. And I just fell in love with the geodesic dome. I had no idea how hard those were to build if you want to build them to meet residential building code, but we're there now. It has taken a long time. It has been quite a struggle, but 
the domes are awesome. So I knew I wanted domes. And when I found this property, I've been watching it for years and it had a big drop in pricing. It was right around the pandemic time. So I just hopped on it because there was another property I had looked at. I just, I couldn't get it through permitting. I couldn't get the township behind it. Knowing now I probably could have, it's just all about how you word things sometimes, but I was able to do this in South Haven and it's 20 minutes from our home. So it's close and um, it's just been really an incredible opportunity. Awesome. So where are you now? Where are you, are you exactly where you want to be? Of all the things that you listed, did you plan on all that originally? Did you add as you go? Did you modify? Like I know you're Oh yeah. I modify, like you were saying with pivoting, I modify multiple times a day. I change my mind a lot. And you, when it's you're harder in to a do project. that when you're building a speakeasy, right? Because then you, build right. it and you can't be like, well, let me just tear that out. Yeah. You have to modify based on what's allowed and you have to modify based on the resources that you have and what you can do within your space. And what I really built this for was to be like a conglomeration of a lot of different people's efforts. Like we're looking for like teachers and people that want to do little sideshows here where they can host classes and we've got private chef events. Like I really just built the space for people to exercise their creative freedom. So I'm a bit of an artist myself and really just this is a, a venue that has just allowed me to let my cre creative juices flow. And that goes to everything else like this, the float tanks that was not initially on my list, but I found, I met a guy who was going to move to a treehouse spa in Oregon and couldn't take him up a tree with him. So I got him used and boom, I had a couple of float tanks and it's just, it's been pieces like that. Didn't want to put a fence around my whole pool. So I decided I put containers around it so I didn't have to buy a fence. So I've got like nine containers that surround my pool that I can use for different activities. So I can use them as cabanas. I can use them as art studios. And you just lean into what assets you have and, and just start dreaming about what you can do with them. Well, that's true. And never let anything stop you if you want to accomplish something, right? It's the same thing with Amanda, right? You, you wanted to accomplish something in planting, you pivoted, and here you are. Yes. That's I mean, awesome. Have, yeah, you still have bigger plans. Obviously, we all do, right? Yeah. yeah. Some people don't. Some people are happy where they're at, but. Like all I want more, more, more. I just, I, if I had a million dollars a day, I could spend it very easily on all the dreams that I have. And so many people come over and say, oh, you could do this. You could do this, but you have to curtail those. Right. And oh, say, yeah. what can I afford and what's realistic? Well, and that's the thing I've been in business for, I'm not brave enough to own a glamping resort because I couldn't deal with the permitting and the council and all those people who I feel like don't deserve to decide whatever I want to do with my land. So I'm not brave enough to do that, but I have been, like I've been in business since 2009 and, and that's the same thing the whole time. It never stops. It continues. It's the, I have all these ideas in my head. What can I realistically accomplish this year and next year and the next six months and whatever else? And yeah. It's, it's one of yeah. the hardest things to learn is you can't move as fast as you want to sometimes. That's right. I have been wanting to be open for a year and we finally just ripped the bandaid off and opened up the clubhouse this week or last week. So we're going to be open for floats and we're doing our first float on Sunday. Just It's a slow build, right? You have to get people to know who you are and get people in the door and the word spreads. So how long have both of you been doing this? Amanda first? I just started last year. So, that's okay. Just, um, that's, I, a lot. that's better than all the people who have never started. Yeah. Don't say just started. You actually did it. Yeah, in my head, I was only planning it about six months, and then I was like, you know what, now's the time, and yeah, so I opened, I got like my business license and all that in October, and my first rental was June of last year, so. 
I mean, that's awesome. Like, I, again, we're going to try to fill an hour here, so I might pontificate a little bit where I normally would just defer to my guests. But I think that's I think that's really an important thing when you talk about an entrepreneur or a business owner to think about, because a lot of people who start their own business will sit there and say, well, I've only been doing it six months or a year or two years or five years or whatever. But the sheer amount of people who only envision it and never do it is mind-blowing. Yeah. Like Absolutely. billions of people, right? Well, maybe not Thank you. Yeah, I think <clears throat> being in the mindset of being okay to fail, I think was where I needed to be. And if I was okay with failing, if it had done that, then I was okay to start. And I think that's a hard position to get yourself in. But once you're there, I think it, it opens a lot of doors. So at least for me, that's how I looked at it. I think I completely agree with you. Missy, do you agree? Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I personally, I've had a lot of different business ideas. I have, I, this is, this is the big one for me, but I've had a, a lot of things I started and didn't finish a lot of things that I was dreaming about doing, but it just takes that special, special time and special thing to really just make you kick in and, and go for it. Well, but I think what she's talking about too, and, and again, we're going to get back to clamping. We are talking about clamping business, but I think that's really important to talk about the failing aspect of it because you have to be like, to me, failing is a win because that just shows me how not to do it. And, but it like it's one of the hardest things to deal with because I still like every time I fail, even though I know that's a learning experience and in six hours I'll be fine when I fail and get the email that a client is leaving or unhappy or they didn't accept my proposal and chose somebody else or whatever, whatever happens. The guy didn't accept the job or hundreds of different things, right? Then that's you kind of kick yourself and wonder, could I have done something better? But then I get over it. Now I get over it in a couple hours, right? But previously <laughs> I would just dwell and you figure you try you overanalyze and you self-doubt and and those are the kinds of things that make that handicap a lot of people from moving forward i think with whatever their dreams are is that fear that's true and you get to some point where you're too busy to worry and too busy to do yeah and that certainly helps with it right that certainly helps yeah. because at the same time your failures are coming in your wins are coming but yeah it's definitely so clamping when did you all, I, I know you said, Missy, you've been clamping for a long time and we know that it's been much more popular overseas. I don't know about India specifically, you said, but I know in the UK, yeah. they've been clamping for a very long time. Um, South Africa, I think it's been a, a huge thing for a long time. They've got some big manufacturers over there and things like that. But when did you first decide that you felt like this was a good business opportunity for you? And both of them. I mean, then you want to go first? Question, but yeah. <laughs> I'm probably the long, the worst person to ask because I just, I literally came back from Yellowstone and was like, I need to do this. Like I need, I need to do this somehow. And I didn't have, I have a full-time job. I don't have a ton of resources, but I think that drive of how much I loved it and how much I really like to especially get children outside. I've done a, a lot of mission work, especially in Africa, and just seeing kids who are out every single day because they don't even have a roof over their heads. Bringing that to communities here is was really important to me. And I was never a glamper. I never really even liked camping. But then I started doing it and I went to the glamping convention out in Colorado all by myself and met so many yep, people. Okay. And I think that's just, that was so inspirational because you surrounded yourself with people who are like-minded and here I didn't really have that. And when I went out there, it just almost solidified every, all my dreams. And 
I think that's just how it went. And it was just the energy that I got back from that. I put it in, I literally bought my tents the next day from um, someone that was there. And I was like, you know what, this is my money to lose and um, I'm going to go for it. So that's how I did it, <laughs> which probably isn't the most genius thing, but it worked for me and, and you know. Well, it's genius if it worked for you. Missy, I want to get to your answer, but give me one second. Uh, so Amanda, um, we talked about, you introduced yourself briefly, but t talk us through what Glampology is and how it works. Like, I know you said you do a little bit of the indoor stuff, but what does it look like in the summer? What is your... Sure. So in the summer, I've been doing people's homes where I will set up one of the big bell tents and I put up to six air mattresses in there. Again, that comes with linens, some small decor, and they have it overnight or two nights, whatever they would like. And then I pick it back up and I bring it back home. And again, I started last summer. So June was my first rental, which was an out-of-state rental. And then I was honestly just through social media booked every single weekend in the summer all the way to almost October. And that was just, I couldn't ask for a better year. And when I was doing that, people were asking, oh, so many questions about, can I put this tent inside? And I'm like, you can't. And it was so hard to explain how actually how big it is because people out here aren't really used to this concept yet. Yeah, and on the internet on the internet it looks tiny. They were like, can I put that in my basement? I'm like, no, it doesn't. you can't. <laughs> so then I was like, if I keep getting these kind of questions, what could I put in someone's basement? Which brought me to the indoor stuff during the winter months, which again, is just the little tent TPs that people are doing and I'm calling it glamping. And that's been working so far. We've had so many discussions on this show about what the definition of glamping is. Is it camping? Is it glamping? Is it luxury camping? Is it and everybody calls it a different term for a different situation. And I don't think there really is a definition. So go ahead, call it whatever you want, right? There's a rule. <laughs> but so where do you want to, where's your ideal? Like, where do you want to take this in the next couple of years? Do you want to keep doing, you want to add more tents? Do you want to hire more staff? Do you, are you happy with how you are now? I never thought that, I thought one rental was going to be successful in my eyes and I booked a whole summer. So now I'm like, what can I do next summer? And I've been, ideally I would really like to do some retreats for women. Sure. I'm also Reiki certified. So I really like that kind of stuff. And maybe if we could bring some communities like moms and stuff together and do some retreats, like that would be something that I'd really like to do for this summer. That's a goal. And obviously a goal is to get more rentals and a weekend out too do two or three and ideally my like I said I would love to do weddings so it's always in the back of my mind to look at land once in a while I'm not I, I really want to get my name out there and a reputation before I start something like that but it's just been working and and I'm grateful well you'll get there again step by step I think your name is out there pretty well and people have a lot of respect if you're booked every weekend right <laughs> yeah. it like it's going well for you <laughs> it so. did it did it's nerve-wracking about next year i think it's when you see something working you're like how can i make this even bigger and better and retreats would be a great thing and something i would really like to do so that's my goal for this year it sounds like you're on the right path again like i'm only one person and i have an opinion right it doesn't mean i'm right or wrong i could be wrong but probably am but anyway like we've talked a lot about the experiences and experiential hospitality on the show too and so i think that you're headed in that right direction where i think and, and i don't know the glamping industry as well as someone who would own it or operate the glamping show conference like david course does or ruben running the american glamping association and things like that right but i think that what i 
took away from the last few years is that glamping necessarily wasn't overbuilt because we didn't have really that huge market that the UK does. But I think that people rushed into it really quickly and some had great plans and some had okay plans and some had terrible plans. And a lot of it was based on financing that was completely different two years ago than it is today. And I think that what people are finding now as we head into an uncertain, more uncertain economy than we have now, I think, is you have to set yourself apart somehow. You can't just throw up some tents, right? And whether that is the, I'm going to work locally and put it up in someone's yard because that's not something hundreds of people are doing for now, or that's the reiki, or that's the speakeasy, or that's the whatever, right? I think that's the answer is how am I different? Because everybody can have a bell tent, but how do I make that experience in the bell tent different and unique? Would you agree with that, Missy? Yeah, I tell you, I was going to say too, you have to work within your local regulations because I will tell you, there are a lot of people who've had a lot of really amazing ideas and then have even built things that are really incredible that won't pass fire inspection or won't pass, you have to have a parking lot. Like what people think they can just throw a tent somewhere, but if you're going to leave it there permanently and the authorities find out about it, they're going to make you have parking. They're going to make you have a lot, a lot of things that you probably hadn't anticipated. So it's people that have the dreams, which I fully support, but you got to make sure that you do it within the the regulations, unfortunately. Which is why. So I know California has cracked down like substantially and they've shut down tons of glamping places. Which is why I'm not brave enough to ever own a glamping resort. I can't do it. I get frustrated with the rules around my service business for marketing. I'm telling you, pitchforks when I came in and br- fire and brimstone. And honestly, I went through everything on my own. You just have to know how to speak to the planning commission because you have to be able to read between the lines, right? And say, they didn't call this out. So if I can make what I want to do fit into these boxes, if I can word it in such a way that they don't have any objections, then there's a chance I can get it approved. But it's really spending the time to analyze what the restrictions and the the codes are. So you try to get a geodesic dome approved in the state of Michigan. I did it. I did it by myself. So I did not hire a huge team of people to do it, but I just went at it in the best way that I could. And every time they said no, I went back and I thought about it and I came back at it until I finally got good at it. The other day I had the inspector come over and he went through, because we just got our building final inspected and he went into a bathroom and he said, your toilet is off by a quarter of an inch. And I was like a quarter of an inch. I was like, what do you want me to do about that? He said, you're going to have to get a new toilet. And I was like, he said, or you can get a new toilet seat. And I said, these are made for the toilet. I can't get a new toilet seat for this. And he was like, you're going to have to get a new toilet. And then I, I thought about it and I said, what about if I got like a spacer to put under that toilet seat that could raise it a quarter of an inch? And he said, that would be fine. And you know what? You have to realize that those are the kind of people that you're dealing with. They are not going to lead you to water. They're going to let you hang yourself because it's one last place that they have to inspect. Right. And you know, if it's, and it really, it's not just that person in particular, he's just trying to do his job. Right. And he's watching in in case somebody else is watching, but you have to figure out how you're going to get your thing done. And that's the tenacity of being an entrepreneur, really, in my opinion. For sure. There's so many things that are involved in it. A, A lot of people, it's been glorified over the last five or six years. But a lot of people think it's just showing up and ordering your employees around and then going home and collecting a check. And it's not really like that, right? No. Do you know how many people have applied with me that they want to be the person that goes out and makes the connections and they do not want to get their hands dirty? I'm routinely in that mud myself. Like I'm doing those floors myself. There's things that I'm doing. I'm not afraid of work, but a lot of people who have come in really, they just, they want the glory of it. I say it's as sexy as owning a weed business now. Do you remember when that was starting? I don't know. 
you know, where you guys are, what your rules are, but there in Michigan, there's one on every corner. But when it first started and it was happening in Michigan, but not Chicago, it was everybody's cousin or brother or someone was like trying to get into the business and, you know, trying to be a partner somewhere. And it's just a, it doesn't work like that. You still have to have a business mind, you know? So I don't want to get us too far off the path here, but I do want to know what is the danger of having a toilet seat that is a quarter inch off kilter? What could it I'll tell you it's ADA, it's ADA regulations, which you think would be very clear cut, but they're different from area to area. So I still, if, if I had known, I bought a toilet seat that said it was ADA approved, ADA approved in what state? I have no idea, but not my state. So it's, yeah, that's an interesting, that's just stuff I couldn't deal with, right? Every city, every jurisdiction, every county, there's it, different rules and regulations. And, it is incredibly frustrating, uh, but you have to realize if you want to play the game, then play it, right? Play the game in your own way, but know that the game is afoot and don't be playing checkers when everybody else is playing chess. And it took me years to get to that point where I was like, oh, I understand what's happening. You guys are screwing me, but it takes a little bit. Like I I'd never spoken in front of a planning commission before. And I didn't realize when they ask you, when they ask a question, just say, I don't know what this is going to look like. They're not asking for you to answer. They're They're just thinking out loud. If you answer, they're just looking for information to hang you with. I don't know if they're all, I don't know if we can lump all the planning commission people into that bucket. No, 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 not all the planning commission people. Okay. I'm just saying going through the process is supremely difficult and they're operating within their own set of guidelines. And yeah, right. But and who's tried to screw them before too. And being a novice, you don't know what you don't know. And it depends on if your city wants something like that. And if that individual that's voting wants something like that. It's yeah. Regulations are tough. I, as I was born in the United States, right? And so I'm, I live in Canada now, but I lived there most of my life. And so I'm familiar with the political dynamic between the people who want more regulations and the people who maybe want less regulations than the people in the middle who like feel like we just want less regulations, but we still want to be safe in the planes, right? <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. And I, and I think it's interesting because the people who usually want less regulations also don't want, and I know this is oversimplifying, but like the United Nations or stuff like that. It would almost be easier to just have one government who owned everything. And then they would all have the same toilet seat type. <laughs> That's why I'm starting regulation. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it's, it has really been an eye opener for me. I had no idea what went on. Even when we're going through the permitting process, it's almost, it's government, it's big government on a little scale. Yeah. Cause if you're doing it out in the country, it's like you're stacking the votes. Which way do you think this one's going to vote? Which way do you think this one's going to vote? And it's really, it's been fascinating and it's been really fun. It's a, it's been very frustrating, but it's been a great learning experience. And honestly, like I've been through things that most people will never go through, but it's been and massive highs and massive lows. That's what being in business is. What were some of the things you had to deal with, Amanda, when you were trying to start up your business? I know it's different not owning the yeah. the permitting <laughs> process, but certainly there were still things. Shipping delays. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have too much. I think it was just how much I wanted to spend, how much I wanted to put out there. And honestly, I'd say how much time and, and energy was honestly my biggest hurdle because I do have a full-time job and it was difficult to figure out if I wanted to leave that or if I could, or I think that's what was stressful for me. I didn't have to go through many regulations. Definitely finding liability insurance was difficult. 
because out here yard right what happens if the little child plays with a lighter and sets a tent on fire yeah and and here no i called six to ten places and they were like what are you trying to do and i was like i (laughs) it happens in campgrounds and there's eight thousand of them in the u.s twelve thousand or something in the u.s yeah but they just could not grasp like what they're insuring essentially it was that was honestly probably the biggest hurdle and i did get liability insurance i still don't even know if it really covers everything like i just went with it i was like oh you're gonna say that on a live show in front of the whole internet but that that honestly was probably my biggest hurdle and just myself was my biggest hurdle as well is just everybody yapping in your ear and you being able to overcome what everybody else's opinions were also was a hurdle for me. But no, I didn't have any regulations with toilets or, or land or anything like that. And I'm sure if I get bigger, it will be harder. And I know looking into just doing this retreat, even down the street at a senior center, it, I mean, it was like 18 pages long of things that I have to make sure I have for this, including parking and all. You just don't think of that kind of stuff. So I'm sure a lot of more hurdles are going to come my way, but. Well, and all those are hurdles. So they're all equal, right? Just because you have to deal with a planning commission versus dealing with paperwork. It's all the same kind of, I'm an entrepreneur. I have to learn all this stuff. I have to understand what I have to go through and fix and not fix and know and not know and all those kinds of things. And so I think it, there's no less of a problem than any other problem that you have to go through or learning experience that you have to go through. At least that's my opinion in the whole process. So I don't know if you guys share that, but. I was probably going to lead somewhere, but I, my mind was totally on I definitely think too, like I've said before, surrounding yourself with people who have done this or just the energy. Like I went to that convention. I went to a campground or I think it was a campground convention out in South Carolina. I'm, okay. I'm going to do the one in the UK in September. Like I think just being around people who have the same energy is so important at least it was for me because i was like okay i'm not crazy this has been done and these people have been successful and they've started just like i have with literally nothing but your ideas so i think that, well, that's that... what, that's actually what i was going to say is the it's the same challenge you go through with the people chirping in your ear right the people who don't understand <laughs> like my mother still doesn't understand what i do i have 26 <laughs> My mother still calls my Like I think, I think probably five or six years into the company, she was still trying to get me to work at a local hospital. And here's an IT person. Mom, like I have six employees, I'm fine. I don't need to go quit my right. But that's and that's different, right? But that's it's the chirping in the ear of the people who don't understand, don't want to understand sometimes. And if you listen to those people, it's just the same thing as the hesitation to fail those like-minded people who have done it before. And certainly there's a grain of salt. Like you have to listen way both sides sometimes, right? But yeah, that's equally as, as challenging and frustrating. At least it was for me. All right. What else are we going to talk about? We got 26 minutes to fill up, guys. Normally we have four or five other guests here, but so what is the well, We're too lucky. We've got, the, we've got the floor, Amanda. What do you I want know. To I guess maybe what about if we yeah. ask a question? Nobody wants to hear me talk. Well, please, if you guys could just... Amanda, we can just interview each other. So. I, I kind of wanted to just see, pick your brain as to... Yeah, and I, I have a couple of questions for you too. So. Go for it. Shoot. Did you have people saying, you know, 
Oh my god! Your ear still. And how you kind of no. oh, that people and... thought I had lost my mind. Yeah. So they're like, "What are you doing? You've got three kids, and you're moving." to Michigan to do this glamping thing on this golf course. Like why I've been in medical sales for years. And honestly, like during COVID I was couldn't get into the hospitals. The kids are bouncing off the walls. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't do this. Like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Like it's my time, right? Like I have sacrificed so much for my kids, my job, whatever. And I was like, I want to do something that I want to do. That's going to give me joy in my heart. So that's what speaking of it's a snow day today. And I want something that's going to bring my kids joy and something that can be like a legacy for our family. And they're like, but I don't understand you're building a yurt. Like what, who is going to, how much are you going to charge for it? So it's, there's always people that question everything. And, and then they want you to, they want you to do it their way. And you got to do some things on your own terms. So that'd be brave. What you went through sounds like something I never want to do or can do. <laughs> you know what? Though? I'm strong. It will show you. Yeah. yeah. I know how hard Thank you. It will show you what your metal is made of. And I will tell you, you're starting with your indoor glamping. Like you could do something like this. I'm not a rocket scientist, you know, it's just, you have to figure it out. And if you've got a couple brain cells, you're good to go. Just take it slow. So don't overdo it. Like I learned from me, I overdid it. I do have a question for you though, about yours. So how much are you charging a night to bring so, that whole stuff out? Yeah. So back to the challenge, that was a challenge. Yeah. I didn't figuring that out. really have much competition. There was one person way down in the Cape. And then there was a one person that was much North in Massachusetts who was charging $725 a night. See, I mean, I know how much it takes to set up those dome tents. Like how many hours are you spending doing that? Trucking it out there, setting it up. Six person tent in an hour and 15 minutes. So is it- By yourself? Yeah. So not that I like to, I did hire my little cousin, but I personally couldn't charge that. I just don't think it was worth that. You wouldn't pay that? Or $700. So I took $700 and then I called a couple places that were down in Rhode Island, which is the next state over. And they were charging about, I think four or five. So I basically went with, I think I started at 300 just to get my name Uh out there. But since it was so successful, I had a score mentor who is like a small business mentor. And he was like, raise the price now. And I did. I went yeah. up to four and that seemed to be working. So right now I charge four a night and that's up to Look, this is Here's where I'm at. And big shout out to score too. I use them as well. So that's a great, it's a great resource for people that are just getting started. My question is I've got, so my domes have bathtubs. They are almost 400 square feet. They have heat, they have AC, and they're like designed to the nines. And I've got people pushing back when I'm like, and we've got a humongous, like heated pink pool, all these cabanas, and they're really the funkiest like clubhouse you've ever seen. And I'll say, and we're going to include breakfast. And I'm like, hey, I want to do this. And I'll include breakfast. And I'd like to charge maybe 450 or 500 a night on the weekends. And we're right by the beach and people are like, oh my God, never. But then- you Oh no, I, I'm thinking like I would stay there- very easily. Well, and see, that's what I need to find the people like that because I've had, I have like some older people in my life and they really just think it's too much. And because most of my community, I'll be honest with you, it's a lot of retirees out there, but in the summer, it's a lot of everybody. And we're two hours from Chicago and I'm like, I'll catch you local some great deals. Cause we're going to be open in the winter time too. And we'll chop all those rates in half. And just, cause I want to find staff 
that I can keep going through the down season. I don't want to have just a huge Rolodex of people that like turn and burn every summer. I just want to have like people I can depend on always. Like I had a woman come over yesterday and I will tell you, I'm hiring older people because a lot of the younger people I've seen them and I have three older, younger people of my own. There's not a lot of work ethic there, but there's a lot of older people who just, they want to get out of the house. They want something to do. They're not done yet. But, and honestly, I've had Several women come to my place that are older and say, I, I want to be a part of this, right? Like I want to volunteer. And that's just, it's great. They see your vision and everything like that. I just think there's a lot of upside. Yeah. And I think for me and maybe for you is to call, make a lot of phone calls, make a lot of phone calls. That's what we're doing now. Yeah. Campgrounds who are doing something similar, but also like the resorts and hotels who are matching almost what you're offering. And even though they're a hotel, if they're charging 400 a night, yeah. why can't yeah. you? I mean, to me, so I'll be in Michigan in actually uh, June. So I will definitely come by. Look at but Amanda, you're coming. Uh-huh. For me coming from Boston, like people would pay that here. But again, you have to see what people around you are, their financial status too. But So did you read the glamping report? I know that they put one out when I was at the convention. Oh, it's awesome. Brian, have you read it? I've read some of it, yeah. We report. Oh, it's great. They do one every year. And the lady who writes it is like the CEO of, oh, who is it? Isn't it? Is she like Marriott? I know Marriott people. No, no, it's not. It's a campground. What are those things called? KOA, but so the KOA has its own little yes. like glamping test site that they're doing, but they did the whole report. So oh, they did the yeah, first report. The, yeah. Tiramore, yeah. They did it in two and every year I just, I scour that thing through and I read every detail because their information is spot on and domes command a higher price point than anything else because let's face it, everyone's got, I always call it the four walls of a Marriott. Like a lot of people haven't ever experienced sleeping in something round, but your bell tents are like that too. So you give people like a unique, unique accommodation. You can afford to charge more for it, but you're like, where, what's that? Where's that sweet spot? I don't know. Have you considered doing food with yours? Any activities with it? Yeah. uh, This summer I'm going to offer like a picnic type thing with like yeah. little cushions and stuff because that's in right now oh so my god it's so that. in uh, i think it's more gonna be like i will set up the picnic and they'll have to be responsible for food because i just don't want that liability Let right me tell now you, <laughs> there there's a place here in south haven and they set up these gorgeous like boho beach picnics on the public beach they bring the stuff the people pay 69 or 79 dollars a night just or i'm not a night just to go and sit on a pillow the only thing they provide is sparkling water they have to bring everything else and they have the option to buy like a charcuterie board for them or whatever people want to sit in a beautiful environment right they don't care so much what they're doing it's if they're in something that's wonderful you can have something small for entertainment like we're going to do palm readers and we've got people doing like foraging walks and stuff like that but just to give you like there's a lot of like people you could subcontract with just to come and say, Hey, you want to come read palms over here for like an hour? How much would you charge me? That would love to do a little side hustle like that. And that just builds so much value. You can say I'm offering this class. you have to screen the palm readers to make sure they actually can tell fortunes correctly or? I had a party a couple of years ago and I had a friend come and pretend to be a palm reader and I had an actual palm reader there. And you know what? People just want to be entertained. Oh, I agree. Do you think any of them are real? I want to hear what you... (laughs) I don't know that palm reading is fake. I haven't... I don't know. It's fake either. It's about making that connection. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you guys. You're having a good conversation. I'll shut up again. 
Oh no. So here's my thing. If you're going to have that business where you're doing it inside, how much do you charge for inside? Insides right now, 200, they have to have two. So 200 for two and then yeah. each additional is 30. But for me, it's so much easier. Yeah. You oh, know, well, I'm there for yeah. a half an hour versus an hour and 15 and it takes half the time to take down. So to me, that's worth that money. And people are going crazy over it and not just mine, but other people are doing it here too. And you should, Oh, do you, I have a good idea for you. What about setting it up at a hotel? People do that on the hotel balconies. They do it in Chicago and they charge a ton for it. So they'll put it like where the penthouse is and they'll set it up on their like terrace or something and then add an extra grand to it. Yeah. It's all about the add-ons, you know, the connections I've made, I had a charcuterie lady. So I was offering that. I had a balloon lady that was doing, making balloon arches for the tents and people are just loving it. So it's funny how something can just branch out just from social media and things like that. You feel like, so here's my thing. I feel like we're entering into a new kind of era and things will come in and come out. And I feel like the charcuterie board has had its day. I feel like we need to find something new. Have you seen the butter boards? But I like butter if it has. (laughs) That's Beautiful things with butter and then have all these different like breads. Yeah. It's got like flowers and nuts and stuff in it. Those are really cool. You just have to keep watching your Pinterest. Yeah. Yeah. How's your feed? (laughs) That's true. I don't do a lot on that, but I need to get involved in like TikTok and stuff for sure. I tried. I, I literally just got 200 followers like yesterday because I finally figured out that I have been tagging stuff wrong. <laughs> there was one group that I wanted to be in and it was like South Haven Douglas recommended. And I swear I had posted on there and I kept thinking, oh, somebody there doesn't like me because they never put my stuff up. Like I'll put it in there and they, I don't ever see it. And then I figured out, <laughs> I read the rules and it said, you must say what city your business is in. So nobody knew what my business was or, or where it was. So I was just getting deleted. So I finally said I was in South Haven. I thought you were following all the rules and details and all that stuff. Oh, no, I'm ho- <laughs> no, I'm horrible. I'm petrified. I'm getting red tagged or shut down. That is my, I've seen it happen to people. I do not want that happening to me. So yeah, I know everything else. Yeah. You got to get on those mom groups too. <laughs> those are, yeah, yeah. I've girls trips too. I think I want to get into girls trips. So I love your idea about doing retreats. And I have talked to a lot of people that do like metaphysical work because a lot of those, that kind of thing happens within a retreat. You're a Reiki certified, right? Like we're talking to a Reiki person right now. I've never done Reiki before. I'm super interested in it. Why don't you include Reiki in it? You're a do, practitioner. I do, but there was no bites to that one, but that's okay. No. You have to be there longer than 30 minutes. What? You want to be longer than 30 minutes. You have to be there longer. <laughs> How long is a Reiki session? I have no idea. You can do it like 15 minutes to an hour to two hours. People can go for I a long done time. done in Banff. Did you? It was a combination of that and like a meditation thing. They had us, it was me and a, and a woman, a girl I used to date. We had laid down on a table in a dark room or something and they did both at the same time or I don't know. I was the most relaxed. And then do they like, is it, it's like energy healing, right? They don't touch you. No, they just put their hands around yeah. you and absorb the energy. It's wild. The stuff you pick up. Yeah. It's, it really is. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I would like to do it one day. How long did it take you to get certified? 
And that course was like a couple days or something like that. It was super easy. Oh, you don't feel like it was like a gift that you were born with? It's something you can just, anybody, like I could learn to do Reiki if I want to? Yeah, of course. I think you have to be in that kind of mindset for sure. Yeah. And believe in it and believe that it works. That's not for everyone. So I think if you can believe it and yeah, I've done it a couple times where I've picked on someone's health condition and that was, was, yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. I took to a friend the other day and her sister is a, like a medium. And every time she sees like a extra, like some sort of a spirit and she has to cleanse it, it like goes into her body and then it makes her really weak. Like it brings her energy down. I didn't know. I've never heard anybody tell me a story about a family member that did something like that before. So it's so foreign to me. I think it's, I'm fascinated by all of it, but you always have to be there for yourself to see it. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I'll trade you a Reiki session for a float tank when you're in Michigan. Okay. That sounds great. <laughs> have you floated before? I have not. I have not. Oh, that an ice bath has been on my list to do. Yeah. Floating is so cool. So I had only floated like probably five or six times before I got these tanks. And it was like, just a, like I said, Brian earlier, it was like a knee jerk decision to do it. And so I was like, I got to learn about this now. So I started listening to all these podcasts about it and really started drinking the Kool-Aid. And I'm so busy. I don't get much of a chance to do it like I should, but I've got just like debilitating ADHD. And so to get into the tank, it helps me just clarify and really have a path of what I want to do. But people use it for all different things. So it's probably a lot like what you do, right? Like some people identify with it in a certain way. And the more exposure you have to that concept, the more you start to understand it and the more you start to believe in it, right? Yeah, that's everything in life, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if any of that stuff works, but I'm open to anything. And that's why I feel like I'm a bit of a cynic, but I always feel like I just want everything. I want all, I want to see all the weird stuff. Like I want to see all the fringy stuff because I'm a fringy person. What's that? It's interesting. Like I was watching, I don't know if you guys know Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, He does a, he runs a big marketing company. He's really big on social media and stuff like that. But I was watching one of his keynote speeches the other day. And he was talking about oysters and he literally just asked the, the audience. He was up on a panel on stage, like how many people hate oysters? 60% of the people raise their hand, keep your hands up. Now tell me yep. how many people have ever tried an oyster. Right. And and so it's interesting. Oh, interesting. So it's, it's yeah. very interesting to see how you can judge things and decide things without ever investigating or researching or whatever. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I feel like my place is going to finally give me time where I haven't had a chance to do all that stuff because I've been so busy having people come and do stuff and I'm like, hey, and then I'm going to trade you this for a little bit of that or whatever. And to be a voyeur to all of that and just be able to have it in my own home. It's probably like people who want to glamp in their own house. You want to just do something in the cover of your own home sometimes. So where do you guys go from here? we got about nine minutes left. So you can each have four and a half minutes. Let's see. What are you coming to Michigan for, Amanda? We're just doing a road trip. Road trip. Oh, We're fun. trying to do all 50 states. So we only have maybe 15 or so left. Michigan's one of them. Okay. Go. Do you want any recommend local recommendations on what to do in the area? Totally. We can definitely. Yeah. Are you going to do top to bottom? Or are you doing the hand? Michigan's like this. It's like a hand. They call it the glove. Right. And then this. I want to do as much as we can. I know she wanted to go to some kind of island thing. Oh, try. If you said it, I'd know it, but. Yeah, I know what it is. It's where the Grand Hotel is and everything. Mackinac Island or? Mackinac Island. Yes, yep. Yeah. I point out, while they talk about this for the next couple minutes for everybody who's watching, this is one of the skills you should have as a hospitality owner, the ability to guide your people and help them with whatever they need. 
Yeah. Okay. I'll give you a breakdown. So are you going to do top to bottom or are you just heading straight to Mackinac? I would say probably top to bottom. I mean, we have five days, so trying to, or six okay. days. So I think we'll try to do everything. I would say your weather is still going to be proper crap in the UP, which is this, this area. Okay. It snows there. Like I went to school there and in October, the snow was over the top, the stop sign. So, you know, once you've seen the Great Lakes, they're just, they look like oceans. They're so big. So if you're going to go to Mackinac Island, like Traverse City yes. is like really great. Yeah. Is that on your list? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So by the time you go to Mackinac and you go to Traverse City and you go to Daydreamer, that's really all you have time for. Where are you located? Like in the... <laughs> okay. So if I'm on the hand, Traverse City is like right here. I'm right here. Oh, okay. Are you driving or are you flying? We are driving. We're doing a road trip. Driving. So we'll We're have a car. Oh, yeah. Okay. Michigan, so you have to go faster in some point. Yeah. I would have to look at a map. Like, but I think if you just come this way is what I would do. Right. And then where do you go from the, Michigan? We haven't really decided yet. Maybe Chicago, maybe North That's Dakota. Amazing. I would really, I, I don't know. The world is gonna yeah if you start at the top and go around you go to chicago right if you go here and you're up at mackinac and go around this way you're in wisconsin mm. yeah, but if she comes down the west side of michigan through traverse city you're straight down from traverse city then yeah. she goes and yeah. loops around to chicago and she's fine to chicago if you hit it right with the traffic you can get to chicago like from my place in two hours Bye. Gonna take a yeah, long time, a lot more to drive there. Yeah, I know. I'm like five days. You want to try to do all that in five days? That's have nine, nine, but I'm just saying, by the time nine. we get okay. there, it's probably gonna take a whole day to drive mm. out there. So yeah, we love the road trips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fun. I'll have my pool open by then, so you can come lay by the pool. Yeah, I'm gonna take your time. Take it on, traveler. I don't know if you guys are, but like we I'm a big traveler. So went yeah. to Iceland in September. And, oh, no. and there's three times I cannot get enough of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but like so everybody kept telling us, go around the ring or the whole ring road and the ring road. Like you have, we were there for two weeks, like 12, 12 days, uh, right? Go right before the volcano. And we realized, we realized like if we were going to go around the ring road and see what had to drive like four to six hours a day, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So we just did the whole side, the South side of the Island and up through the peninsula yeah. and back by the glacier. And then we'll go back. I do have to tell you though, my husband's from the Czech Republic and to go to Croatia. And so to go from the Czech Republic to Croatia, you have to go through Slovenia. And I said, gosh, if we're going to go through Slovenia, let's like check some stuff out and see what's in Slovenia. And he was like, oh, there's nothing in Slovenia. Just we'll go to Croatia, like classic Eastern European. And I got a book because I, every time we go somewhere, I get another book and I read it cover to cover. And I, cause I just do that one country. Right. And so this time I was like, let's stop, take a little extra time. And um, I was on maternity leave at the time, actually. And so we went to Slovenia and it was amazing. It was so great, but he would never have given it a second thought, but it's like learning about things too, or talking to someone about what you should do. And also like where you grow up, whatever's closer to you and people don't realize how close Europe is to all the other countries, right? Oh, it is. It is. But yeah. But you grow up by it. Like I lived in Florida for a few years and like when we moved there, we were nine miles. We were in Ormond Beach, north of Daytona. When we moved there, we're going to go to the beach every day. We're going to go to yeah. Disney World all the time. We're 45 minutes away from it. But like three times, and then you're bored. And then everybody who flies down there is, let's go to Disney. Really? You want to go to Disney World? Oh, my God. So it's yeah. wherever you move is my point. Like whatever's closer well, to you. That's why I feel so bad for people in the Midwest because it's just there's not, there's no skiing here. There's not a lot of good rock hounding. There's not, there's just, they don't have a lot. I don't know, but like to offer, and then you get out here, there's really great biking trails, right? If you like fishing, there's really great fishing. Yeah. 
people love hunting out here, but it's hard for like little kids because it's a lot of the same scenery and everything's the, the same people, same currency, whatever. You go to Europe and you can go through three countries in a day. Yeah, I've driven all over. Like I've been to all, like I spent years bootstrapping my company in the beginning, driving around in a Jeep with my girlfriend at the time, stepdaughter. And so I went through, it all looks the same to me, right? Generally speaking, shopping. No way. You know what? Me and Andre together, we've been to 53 countries. So you have to, you got to go, you got to go where it's gritty. Oh, no. I, to be clear, I know there's different pieces of this. I like, I haven't done all the country travel yet, right? Yeah. But speaking from the United States perspective on the main roads. Oh, yeah. Towns is what I mean. Yeah. Uh, it's the same. Yeah, that doesn't okay. mean there are things to do. There are, doesn't mean there are reasons to visit those places, right? right? Generally speaking. Optics. It's not the same scenery yet. So. Yeah. All right. We got two minutes left. Amanda, do you want to add anything to your... I feel like I added, asked about future plans, and then we went off onto a, something else that's more valuable. But that's touched on that. Future plans. Yeah. Definitely retreats for me. But yeah, no, I'm I'm super... I can't wait. I'm definitely going to stop by. Miss right. Excited for that. And yeah, I... Good luck with everything. I can't wait Seriously, to see Seriously, best of luck. And if you ever have anything you have a question about, feel free to call me and I'm happy to weigh in and look forward to meeting you and reiki yeah. together. Yes, totally. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Brian. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Let's just we'll wrap it up a couple minutes early here. Thank you guys for joining us for another episode of MC Fireside Chats. We will be back next week with our Campground Owner Focus episode, hopefully with a few more guests that will show up due to the holidays being a little bit more over. But thank you guys. It was a great show. Like I really enjoyed the back and forth between you guys. I got to figure out ways to encourage that more, I think, between our guests because there's a lot of value that I think you both unlock with each other that was way more valuable than me talking. So thank you guys. I appreciate it. Wish you all the best of thank luck you. with both of your businesses and we'll follow up soon. Have a great time. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of MC Fireside Chats with your host, Brian Searle. Have a suggestion for a show idea? Want your campground or company in a future episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Get your daily dose of news from moderncampground.com. And be sure to join us next week for more insights into the fascinating world of outdoor hospitality.